This is Ool Radio. I'm Jason Snell. I'm here with Heath Black. Hello. Hi. Um, the I, I liked your presentation earlier today as we record this. Um, I, I wrote down, you have some nice thoughts about, um, it's almost like questing, like that there's always something behind a curtain and yeah. that wonder rather than doubt is the root of all knowledge. I really liked that one. Yeah. Um, I used to be a pretty cynical, uh, skeptical, you know, doubt-filled person. And uh, a good friend of mine came to me uh, once and brought Abraham Joshua Heschel's book, um, I Asked for Wonder. And he told me, like, hey, I appreciate that you uh, quest through your cynicism, but I challenge you to start having, like, taking a quest through uh, wonder rather than doubt. And uh, it like opened up my life and it opened up uh, how I seek knowledge, how I seek truth, how I connect with my family and different stuff like that. So it's a different paradigm. I've really enjoyed a lot of the speakers have had uh, some really great approaches to sort of their worldview and how they, how they approach life that I think has been part, that's part of the fun of coming to Ool is sort of writing down these ways of viewing the world that are interesting and not, not your perspective and somebody else's perspective. Yeah. And like I've, I was thinking about it early, like earlier that there's, there's a unity here, but not a uniformity. Um, And that's been really cool to see how everyone here is like connected and, and there is a unity, but nobody looks quite the same and their worldview doesn't look quite the same. And I think that's a really special thing to find. So you told the story of moving from Portland to Salt Lake City to go work for Reddit Gifts. Yeah. And the thing that struck me as somebody who's hired people before and been hired before was... The way you put the story was this was a job that you were offered that you felt like you were essentially not qualified for in any way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so they wanted me, I, I had some e commerce experience, but I had no um, experience with physical goods, packaging, manufacturing. But uh, um, my boss at the time and I just, I think we just had a connection pretty quickly. And, uh, I've actually moved on from Reddit since then, right. and he's actually my boss at my new company, <laughs> MZ. So um, I've worked with him twice now, and and it really was like within an hour or two of meeting him, it uh, just felt like he and I had a, a special connection. Okay, so what what was it? Do you think that he saw in you to make you? Given your own, I mean, clearly you must have had attributes beyond just you guys clicking that yeah. he liked. That you so on stage you kind of run it run it down, and it's funny to be like, I don't feel qualified. A lot of us yeah. feel that way all the time, right? It's like yeah. I'm an imposter. Why am I here and all that? But obviously he saw something in you that made him want it. So what was that? What was that thing? Do you know now? Like what he what he little traits that he saw? Yeah. So like I mean, it took me a few years, um, but he and I. Uh, have a, a very similar approach and, and uh, you know, our end goal is in any interaction that we have is to try to bring more joy to whatever situation we're in. Uh, but we also counterbalance each other really well. So like we have the same per- kind of perspective focused on happiness and joy, but uh, when I am being idealistic or things like that, he tends to be like to flip the switch of being the realistic person that kind of pulls me back in. And when he's feeling idealistic and kind of going down that path, I tend to counterbalance him as well. Um, it's like, it's like a weird work marriage. It's a good combination. <laughs> you're, you're, you have complimentary yeah, skill sets. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, 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 and I views. think it also helps, like, we both kind of came from, like, uh, 
like the punk scene back in the day. So uh, we're both tatted up and uh, a little bit more alt. And uh, in Salt Lake City, there's not, you know, like, I mean, right. like there is a good alt community there, but um, I don't know. But it's we, not Portland. No, it's not. And But we connected like immediately just, he was like, oh, you were in a hardcore band at one point. And mm-hmm. it just like, like dominoed after that where it just kept being more connections. So when you talk about um, the, the theme of your talk, I would say is these four, these four things that you're solving for in life. And you mentioned joy. It's joy, story, memory, and, and entropy. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, again, you're not trying to necessarily create entropy, but you're trying to solve a problem that entropy will exist. Yeah, entropy does exist. And we, uh, uh, I mean, every person that builds code is like, even entropy exists within code, right? And you don't expect it, but then a year later you're like, oh man, why is this code not nearly as good as it was when I built it? Um, so it's not about, uh, you know, creating entropy. It's about uh, trying to optimize uh, for the worldview that entropy will take place. And how do you uh, try to be as much of a problem preventer as possible rather than a problem solver? Um, and that was, yeah, something that that really instilled in me. So when we talk about joy, story, and memory. I mean, one of the ways that I read that is when people talk about things like we want to make an experience or something like that, which is so buzzwordy and it's sometimes yeah. it can really literally mean everything. I looked at what these words that you said, and I said, that's what people, I think, are trying to say sure. when they say, I, I don't create products, I create experiences, what they're really wanting to say. And, you know, Apple's better at explaining this in terms of their language of talking yeah. about it's magical and all these things that people roll their eyes at. But it's the idea of you want to you want to have your customers uh, get feel joy and mm-hmm. they, they want to, you know, there's a story to tell and it's something that happens that's memorable. And these are all things that, you know, when you walk away, yeah, you've had an experience, but you're yeah. not manufacturing an experience so much as you're these are the things you're solving for. Yeah, I, I think that it's easy to. Uh uh, think in terms of customers as well, right? And you eliminate the human, like the fact that customers are actually yeah. just people. And, uh, you know, with that, there are profound emotions and contexts and stories and all these different things that uh, people carry with them when they interact with your product. And so, uh, you know, the way that I try to uh, work with my team and, and the, with designers and different stuff like that is always just remember the human. And uh, with joy and story and memory, those are very human elements that we experience on a daily basis. Um, and so that's, that's really like what I've been trying to work with uh, the past few years. And uh, you also said at a couple points, the idea is to optimize for these things instead of, for example, like raw revenue. And, you know, do you believe, I believe this, I'm curious what you think. I imagine you think this too. Um, A long way of saying products and everything, they're appreciably different. They feel different. You can tell when a product is made to eke out the most money from any, from the average consumer versus a product that, you know, you're still trying to make money, but the design of the product is how can we make people love this? And you and there are those kinds of products in the world, both sure. kinds. And I feel like you can you can tell. I think the really special ones are the ones where that's like where it's not mutually exclusive to where a product can be, uh, you know, incredibly right. financially viable, successful, uh, but also focus on instilling joy, instilling happiness, and different things like that. Um, and 
So, you know, at Reddit Gifts, uh, that was something, you know, we were trying to drive more sales for e-commerce. But we also knew that when people receive gifts, it strikes something special in them. And when people send gifts, it actually, uh, like, you know, there are studies that say that you have more chemicals injected in your body when you buy a gift for someone than when you receive a gift. Mm-hmm. So we started trying to figure out, like, you know, yeah, we need to make more money, but that doesn't mean that we have to neglect the fact that happiness is our primary goal um, and that if we can make uh, a little bit a little bit more growth but a lot more happiness then we consider that to be a huge success that's and right. at MZ where I'm currently at that's something that we're trying to solve I mean the uh, we're really trying to focus on like uh, why why does the internet evolve to this place of uh, <laughs> negativity and mm-hmm. Nazis and different stuff yeah. like that when there's anonymity brought in. Um, why does that happen? And that's kind of the question that we're trying to fight against. Why can't we have things like community sites where the end goal is people feeling stronger and better and more connected and happier? That's great. Uh, a friend of mine, Krista Murgan, I don't know if you know her, but she does civil comments. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's their entire company is that yeah. idea of how do we engineer a commenting system for websites that that creates a community where people are motivated to be good members of the community exactly. instead of bad members. And yeah. how do you build that? And it's it's pretty awesome idea, right? To- yeah, if you think about it, like if you went to your next door neighbor's house and you knocked on their door and you uh, berated them, <laughs> it, like you would have a rough relationship with the yeah. person that lives next door. And so we kind of see like online community as a neighborhood. That's really what it is. It's just an online neighborhood where people's, uh, you know, people tend to reside together and things like that. So uh, we don't want those neighborhoods to be toxic anymore. We want them to be happier. We want them to be connected more. So I have one last question for you, sure. which is you said, I felt as if it was a message being sent across to me in the audience, which is you said you learned a lot about packaging and how things are produced and you didn't have time to go into it. So come ask you afterwards. So the, yeah. the, I mean, not, you don't have to tell me the whole story, but I am a little curious. We did an entire episode of old radio last time about the paper and how it was chosen for sure. the invitation or for the, you know, for the check-in packet for attendees. So I'm kind of fascinated. Like what was that lesson in going the, through the boot camp of packaging and and product. Yeah, so I mean, it was months of design like, before we ever produced a prototype. Um, we worked with an agency in Salt Lake City that has relationships uh, in Hong Kong and some other places throughout the world. Um, and so, you know, we worked, uh, got all this design, had multiple rounds of prototyping, finally figured out what we wanted to do. Um, so they started producing stuff and it was, you know, several months of producing. This is not something that happens overnight. It's, you know, to get, uh, 10,000 boxes was set, you know, four to six months of design, prototyping, production. Was there lag and, time where, where if it was being produced far away where you'd get a sample produced and yes. have to wait? So we would have to like overnight prototypes and different stuff like that. But, uh, my favorite thing, uh, is that. Um, the union for the shipping yards in uh, San Diego, I believe, or Long Beach, uh, went on strike <laughs> right after all of our stuff got on a boat. And so our uh, packaging sat off the shore of America for about six weeks. So I had all these campaigns lined up, ready to launch our packaging. We needed to do it by a certain date because we had the holiday season coming up. And so we were like scrambling, hey, we need to produce some more packaging, overnight it, 
like, we'll figure out how to pay for it, <laughs> whatever, um, just so we could get the campaigns off the ground. So we got the campaigns off the ground. A few weeks later, the strike ended. Everything then had to go from the shipping container to the back of a semi-truck where it was taken to Austin, Texas, where our warehouse was. Um, and in the meantime, I had to go down to Austin and help them create an assembly line. So when we packaged items, there was uniformity in how they were packaging things. Um, so it was really this crazy lesson of how the supply chain, how like a small thing going wrong in the supply chain creates ripple effects all the way down the chain. And, and, uh, I actually take learnings from that for how product development takes place because um, as you engineer things, the later problems enter, the more expensive they are to fix. Mm. So if you're able to uh, be more proactive up front, better documented, uh, you know, have some of the answers to things that might creep up later, uh, before you start a build, it'll be far less expensive to fix that later. And I would have never learned that if I didn't have to produce, you know, physical packaging for, for Reddit. That's great. Well, your talk was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being on Radio Wool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Heath Black, thank you. Cool. This is Wool Radio. Mm-hmm.